I want to thank everybody for their contribution to the worship today and uh, for getting us ready for a Thanksgiving season. And uh, Robert, thank you for your thoughts. Now, did you say that your family passes out on the couch? I'm worried about that because, see, my hope is, is that I can find the connection between Robert and I and how we're related. I, 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 you know, he may not want that, but I do. And, uh, but New York Benjamins fall asleep in a chair. And we don't watch Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that's just a, that's a geography issue, okay? But you, uh, in, my, in my New York family, uh, a car doubles as a hotel. And uh, it's real easy to take care of the folks when they come up for a visit. Um, but, you know, we'll find it out anyway. And uh, what a great point, though, that this is also a feast. And we've had our feast. And I guess now is the time for you, some of you to pass out. And uh, in a pew, better than passing away. And, uh, you know, sometimes we're not sure. But uh, the, um, and man, what a good thing with the kids teaching us that his love endures forever. I got to confess to you that I enjoyed that. that was, the way that all worked together and came together was fantastic. I want to thank the children for helping us and teaching us that something as simple as his love endures forever is really a great and profound truth. Especially when you have to say that in moments where it doesn't seem like that's the case. I've, I've felt somewhat um what's the word an odd about editing psalm 136 so now i feel like in being complete and fair i need to go back now and read you the parts that we left out uh because it just didn't seem to fit the moment i think it was still very appropriate but it didn't seem to fit the moment in psalm 136 uh, verse 10, we skipped over to the end. Give thanks to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. His love endures forever. He brought Israel out of Egypt. His love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and a powerful arm His love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who parted the Red Sea. His love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. His love endures forever. But He hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who led His people through the wilderness. His love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who struck down mighty kings. His love endures forever. He killed powerful kings. His love endures forever. Sihon, the king of the Amorites, his love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his love endures forever. God gave the land of these kings as an inheritance. His love endures forever. A special possession to his servant Israel. His love endures forever. How does a God whose love endures forever also get praised for killing? Wow. 
And I wanted to ask myself, why is that in there? We could have just ignored it. And we could have just gone on today, and it would have been great. And the kids said his love endures forever, and all is right with the world. And we're going to leave here, and there's going to be a rainbow, and there's going to be bunny rabbits and kitties, and it's going to be his love endures forever. But I can't ignore the text. I didn't write the Bible. There's that mention of the exodus, the event where God acts in a powerful way to save His people. And there is a profound and shocking reality to it. Part of the reason why maybe I'm struggling and all of us struggle, and some of you probably have friends, if you yourself are not having some kind of struggle, wondering, my goodness, how do these two thoughts go together? It might be that our view of love is too weak. That love is a a sentimental emotion. That love is kind of a a deep concern. That love is is sort of what Valentine's Day is all about. But this is Thanksgiving, not Valentine's Day. And that word that is translated as love, and it's a fair translation. Some translations will will, uh, translate it as loving kindness. But it's more even than that. It's an everlasting loving kindness. It's a word that has packed into it so many meanings in English that it would take us five or six lines to fully unpack it. It means devotion. It means commitment. It means covenant. It means grace. It means compassion. It means mercy. This everlasting loving kindness is the, is the virtue of God, the love of God that is aimed at repairing a broken world. And the work of God to repair that broken world manifests itself in His covenant promises. And He reaches out to a man named Abraham who's living in a pagan culture, worshiping idols, and He says, Abraham, I want to walk in everlasting loving kindness with you and your descendants. And it's going to be me and them alone everlasting loving kindness i'll keep that covenant promise but the reason we're doing it abraham is for the repair of a broken world and from the story you get the idea that there is a strong commitment there and then when abraham's descendants are made into slaves they are turned into human beings that do not count who have no story, who have no past, and, and, and they, after the generations, don't even know about their God. The only gods they know of are the gods of Egypt. And the only God, the only being that they see controlling their life is Pharaoh. And along comes Moses to speak to them of the everlasting loving kindness of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who made that promise. And nothing will stop him from keeping that covenant to put them in the land so that he can begin the repair of a broken world. That's what this line is all about. And in the, in the psalm, you see three kings mentioned. The empire of Pharaoh. King Sihon of the Amorites and King Og of Bashan. 
Og's a giant. He's powerful. Cyan and Og, when these people left Egypt, they're, they're homeless. They have no land. They're, they're nomads. They're refugees. We hear a lot about refugees in the news. These people have been rescued from the land of slavery, but now where do they go? And Sihon and Og said, you will not come into our country. They they put up their borders. And that is a lack of hospitality. That's a lack of grace. But these people need a land, and so God says, I will make sure that despite all odds, you will have that victory and you will have that land. Why? Because of His everlasting loving kindness. And the loss of the firstborn in Egypt is the final action of God in a series of destructive plagues because Pharaoh has put himself and his people in a contest against the living God. It's a bet that Pharaoh should not have made. But at the end of that story, it's made clear that Israel is set free from Egypt. And in no way can it be said that there was any benevolence on Pharaoh's part that allowed that to happen. No one will ever be able to claim that Egypt did right because it was the everlasting covenant faithful love of God that set them free. Now, again, I understand. (laughs) This love means that God will not forsake His children for any reason. Not even the power of empires will stand in the way. But we still edit Psalm 136. It's still... If we're not admitting that this makes us cringe a little bit, we're not really hearing it. In fact, I think the whole point of it was not to gloss over it and say, oh yeah, the Exodus... I mean, he could have said he delivered us from Egypt and left it to that. But the first line says, he struck down the firstborn of Egypt. As Pharaoh would have struck down the firstborn of the Hebrews. But still, why is this in there? Well, it's in there to arrest us, to get our attention, to make us realize that this everlasting covenant Kindness of God is the real deal. It's serious. And it means something. This isn't just a warm, fuzzy, kind of a chocolate chip, gooey love that we feel because God's like Santa and just gives us all the good things to eat. Now this God's serious about repairing a broken world. And He's made covenants. And he made covenants with Israel, and he has made covenants with his church. Sometimes we look over the justice of God when we focus on the love and mercy, but the love and mercy of God means nothing if it's not also just. If it's not also benevolent and good, then what kind of love is it? It could be a mad kind of a love, but it is just. Maybe we need to reconcile with the fact that 
Truth is, historically, us and our land, our people, we probably identify more with Egypt than we do Israel. Because we're the citizens of empire. We're the citizens of of powerful nation. And we have in us the heritage and tradition of powerful nations. But when God rescued Israel, they were only slaves. They were the oppressed. And God stepped in on their behalf, and no one stood in his way. There's that phrase that comes up in the psalm, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Look for that phrase in the Old Testament sometime. Set aside some time over this holiday week for some reading. Go on a Bible website and search and see how many times that phrase appears in Scripture. It appears so often that you've got to think, okay, this means something in particular. It has something to do with the decisive and powerful way that God will act. You find this idea also in Amos. The prophet Amos in chapter 2 says, As my people watched, I destroyed the Amorites. That's the people of Sihon, the king. Though they were as tall as cedars and they were as strong as oaks, I destroyed the fruit on their branches and I dug out their roots. It was I who rescued you from Egypt and led you through the desert for 40 years so that you could possess the land of the Amorites. They're being reminded of the difficult, demanding things that God did for their sake and for the sake of the entire world. He's reminding Israel of this because now Israel has found themselves in the comfortable place of the empire. They've known what it's like to have kings now. They've known what it's like to have rulers. And they're behaving like the Egyptians before them. And God is saying, if I'm going to keep that covenant promise, and I will go to no end, if I will put out my mighty hand and my outstretched arm to rescue you, then how dare you not act with the same kind of everlasting loving kindness towards me and others. Now I want to be clear. America's, or God's covenant is not with America. America is not the chosen people. The church is the new Israel, not America. That means the church everywhere. That's not to say that God can't bless America. That's not to say that God can't be good to America. But you and I are the people of God that are in that everlasting loving kindness covenant with God to be the salt and the light, to live in that kind of covenant with the other people of this nation and with the people of all nations. And if we don't reciprocate what God has given to us then we may find ourselves on the wrong end of that mighty hand and that outstretched arm it's tough you talk about the loving kindness of God and then you also have to bring bring forth the idea that there's a there's kind of a harsh reality behind this behind the exodus yeah it's a good thing then that we don't live in the old testament days preacher It's a good thing then that we live in the New Testament where we don't have to worry about all that stuff, right? 
You know, we've gilded the crucifixion. We've gilded the crucifixion and we've dressed it up. We have images of crosses. We get a little puritanical about it. Cross on a screen, that's okay. Having a cross out here, 3D, not sure about that. Mm. Fussing over crosses. This painter understood the crucifixion. It's not even the crucifixion of Jesus. It's just crucifixion. Which would have been a reality in the time of Christ. Not pretty. There's no, there's no crown of thorns. There's no sun shining. But it's like what we read in Scripture. That there's people weeping. There are dogs running around. There are vultures. There's fire. It's a pit. It's a trash heap. It's a garbage heap. And people are being disposed of who are a problem for the empire. And they're being disposed of, killed, crucified, executed in a most shameful and unmerciful manner. And when our Savior was crucified, it was no different. He didn't get special treatment because he was the Son of God. The forces of wickedness and sin that you and I have a choice every day, which side we're going to participate in, those forces took Christ to the cross. There is a harsh reality embedded in our story. Just as the Israelites remembered that there was a great and terrible act of God that saved them from slavery, the exodus, so that then they could be invested in the repair of a broken world. There is also God striking down His firstborn so that you and I can participate in a better kind of life. A life that participates in God's work, His Spirit, His efforts to repair a broken world. So that in the new heaven and the new earth, these things do not corrupt the creation of God. We're not saved or sustained because of the benevolence of any empire or any government or any power on earth. We're not saved because the economy gets better. We're not saved because politics improve. We're not saved because of the enlightenment and science. We're saved because of the mighty hand and the outstretched arm of the Lord. And He will not stop at anything to keep His promise in His everlasting loving kindness even if it means he sacrifices himself and overcomes death through the resurrection. You know, when we're reminded of things like this, sometimes we think that our response then ought to be guilt. That if we'll just show up for an hour on Sunday and tell God how sorry we are, then maybe we can get back with the rest of our lives. But guilt is not the appropriate response That's why the the chorus in Psalm 136 is, His love 
endures forever. And His everlasting loving kindness is greater than our guilt. His everlasting loving kindness is greater than our sin. His everlasting loving kindness is greater than our failures, greater than our mistakes. And the appropriate response is gratitude. That's what He's calling us to. I will be your God. You will be my people. And God has this vision of a great salvation project. And thank God that he's been merciful enough to allow us to participate in that. You know, the the thoughts of nations get wrapped up into this when you think about Egypt and you think about the Amorites and you think about Rome. I'm not preaching this gospel so that America will be good. I'm preaching this gospel so that we will be good. And America will be good only if its people are good. The church is called to be good regardless of what political boundaries we live within. When we recall His everlasting loving kindness, and we have no option but to be good. Well, what if the politics are against us? What if we live in a land where that's suppressed? You are still called to live in that everlasting loving kindness with Him. And understanding the Gospel. I mean, if you could sing the Gospel in Psalm 136, you would take the words of Paul and the words of Psalm 136 And Jesus was crucified on the cross. His love endures forever. And He was buried. He died. But His love endures forever. He was raised on the third day. His love endures forever. And there were over 500 witnesses. His love endures forever. And now you and I are called to witness to that everlasting loving kindness. Knowing that His love endures forever into eternity i'm asking us to consider the covenant devotion to god on our part how do we show that everlasting loving kindness if god is willing to give the life of his firstborn son then are we willing to give our lives to him i received a note that said that there's one baptism this morning you know i'm just going to get real practical about it i'm not trying to rush you into a baptism i'm not trying to talk you into being baptized you've got to decide if that's the thing that you want to do and you've got to decide whether or not that you want to give your life to god you got to do it for that reason because of what god has done for you that with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm he has accomplished our salvation will we will we receive that will we accept that but i'm telling you if there's going to be one baptism already you know, I don't know if I'm speaking to any of you. This might be the time you've been waiting for because sometimes I don't know that if on a Sunday morning we stop and say, well, you know, I don't know. You know, food at La Herta is going to get cold, so I don't want to interrupt everybody with a baptism. Well, you know, La Herta may or may not be there. The dinner may or may not be there, but eternity is going to be a long, long time. Are you ready? Let's stand, let's sing this song if we can encourage you to live in everlasting loving kindness. We want to do that. We'll be right up here to respond to you.